listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I wanted to talk to you guys today about something that I never thought I would say. Never. Never. But I'm going to say it today on this broadcast. And it blows my mind and shocks me about people that disagree because of um, other issues they might have. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute. And I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you something that'll blow your mind. But for those of the of you that don't know, um, Dr. John MacArthur, who is, you know, a reformed Calvinist. He's not by any means a Pentecostal. He's not by any means a charismatic. Some would have even viewed him as an antagonist. Definitely an antagonist. Some may have viewed him as an enemy to the Pentecostal movement. Um, He's the one that launched the uh, Strange Fire Conference where they played videos of charismatics and Pentecostals of the spirit moving and then sat there on a panel with a crowd and mocked you know, what God was doing. I know for a fact that one of the people that they were making fun of, mocking, playing on their on their videos at the conference was Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and others that we know. Some of them truly were nut jobs, but some of them were real men of God with integrity. Jay Mack, as he'll be known in this broadcast, Dr. John MacArthur, um, you know, he, he's a cessationist, which if you don't know what that means, it means that he believes that the Holy Spirit ceased um, the early, hold on, he ceased in some of his operations after the early church was established and the canon of the church was completed. So they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit in operation. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe in healing or miracles. They don't, cessationists don't believe in any of that stuff. They, they believe that that's not for today that that all stopped when the last apostle died. And so as Andrew's saying in the comments, I totally am the same way. I disagree with a lot of Dr. John MacArthur's theology, what he believes about the Bible. However, and that is very important to say, however, I have to stand on this broadcast today and applaud the man. I have to applaud the man for his guts, for his uh, ability to stand up in the face of what truly is government persecution, without question, it's government persecution um, of of Christianity, and uh, and applaud him on his and he's extremely well spoken, extremely intelligent man. Yes, he does not believe like we believe as Pentecostals or Charismatics. However, I have to applaud the man today. I even, um, I will even say this, that uh, when I was reading his article that he released on his website, Grace to You, um, I even signed my name to, uh, not that it was a petition, but they had the opportunity for you to sign your name 
to uh, to stand with what he is standing for and what he's saying. And uh, I have to agree with Andrew. So here's a man in California. His church, if you don't know the story, his church is in California. And, um, you know, they have banned all... Um, they have banned all these gatherings. You know, there's a, you can't sing, you can't gather, all this different stuff in California. It's insane. And you've got Pentecostal people laying down. You've got Pentecostal and charismatic people that are laying down and keeping their churches closed for because of these state mandates, which, by the way, are unconstitutional. And on top of that, um, let me just make a statement here. You know, people say, "Well, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not persecution. It's not uh, targeted harassment because they're making small businesses do the same thing. They're making businesses close. They're making all these places close, so they're not targeting the church." Let me tell you something important: the church is not a business. It's not a small business. It's not a large corporation. It is not. Uh, something that can be deemed by the government essential or non-essential. The government actually has no authority to deem a church essential or non-essential, has no authority to shut a church down, has no authority to limit what a church does in the confines of their own space. Cannot You can't come in and do that. As long as we're obviously, um, you know, not like killing somebody or something, but I mean, you know, we have something called the separation of church and state that was not to keep the church out of the state. It was to keep the state out of the church. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, throw a hand in the comments section. It was not to keep the church out of the state. It was to keep the state out of the church. And so it was so that we would never have a tyrannical government that would say what we could and could not do as Christians. That's what that's about. The Constitution, the, the right to freely worship. You understand? So, you know, that's the purpose of the separation of church and state. That's the purpose of our constitutional right to freely worship. So understand something. It's completely illegal for the government to limit churches. And I'm going to read you, if you've not read it, I'm going to take a minute to read you who I'm calling J-Mac because I'm showing him respect. The man is a boss. The man's a boss. And I don't care that he's a Calvinist. I don't care that he is a Reformed theologian. I don't care that he doesn't believe in speaking in tongues because here's the deal. Here's a dude... There's my friend Reese. Love you, buddy. Here's a dude that um, not only doesn't believe, not only isn't filled with the Holy Ghost, doesn't believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost in the way we do. Doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. Doesn't believe in miracles. Doesn't believe in all those things. However, he's still the one in his state that's standing up for the gospel, standing up for the church, standing up for the word of God. And he doesn't have to sit around and pray in tongues for boldness, does he? Isn't that interesting? He doesn't have to sit around and pray in tongues for boldness. He doesn't have to sit around and get a prayer chain going with 16 people giving a word in tongues and interpretation to get 
boldness to stand up for the church. Here's a man that without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, here's a man that without speaking in tongues, without relying on the gifts of the Spirit, without relying on miracle signs and wonders, is just flat-footed, standing up. Dr. J. Mack, that's, that's, I'm going to call him J. Mack. Dr. John MacArthur is standing up and is doing it. So my question is, like Melissa's question, what's the excuse of all the spirit-filled churches and believers? What is the excuse of all of the Pentecostal churches and the charismatic churches in California? Why are they completely staying silent? Why are they closed? You see what I mean? Why are they closed? And um, so I want to take a minute, if you've not seen it, and uh, just kind of quickly read to you. Mackenzie's asking the question, is the Holy Spirit still working in him if he doesn't have faith in his working? So here's here's a little bit of a distinction. Um, Baptists, the Reformed theologians, they all believe that every Christian has the Holy Spirit, which I do too, because you can't even be saved without the Spirit of God. So he, he believes every Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, but what they don't believe in is that subsequent experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, where Jesus said, You'll, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, those people, that they were already Christians, and so already had the Holy Spirit, but they weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so he doesn't believe in being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, miracles, signs, wonders, but he's standing up. Dr. J. Mack is standing up. So he dropped a um, he dropped a, uh, 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 an article on his on his uh, website, Grace to You. And um, I added my name to it because you know what? I'm proud of him. I thank God there's men like that that are. And you know what? I shared that. I just shared the basic belief. I'm proud of Dr. John MacArthur. I, I, am, I agree with what he's saying here. I, I'm, I'm for it, all this. I got somebody that comments on my social media, <laughs> literally. I can't, I can't say I applaud that man because he's all about the headlines. Like, really? You think he's just about the headlines? A dude that's willing to get into it with the government to be arrested if need be. By the way, they, from what I, what I read... That at the end of the service, they the government cut the power to his church, like they warned they were going to do with anybody that would not obey the the um, mandate. They cut the power to his church at the end. All this stuff. So here's a man that's willing to go to bat with the government, willing to be arrested if he has to be. And there's people literally sitting around. Well, I don't know if I can agree with him. You know, it's like. Um, <laughs> Somebody else said, well, I don't know if I can agree with that because of his stance on women preachers. Would you wrap your mind around what's actually going on right now? That there is a push from the government and there really is a persecution of Christian churches in America that's unconstitutional and illegal. And you've got dummies that are standing saying, well, I don't know if I can agree with, his, with what he's doing because of his stance on women preachers. Who cares? We're not asking him to comment on women preachers. We're not asking him to comment on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're applauding what he's doing in defense of the church at large. People are so petty that they can't even 
uh, unite when it's time to unite over things that are important. You know, let's let those arguments all be done within the church. You know what I mean? If you've got an issue with women preachers, if you've got an issue with the gifts of the spirit, miracles, signs and wonders, whatever it is, that's something that we deal with in the church. But when you've got the government coming from the outside and attacking the church, now it's time for the church to unite and to stand up and fight back against uh, the oppression of the government against the church. I'm not here to argue doctrine with the government. Well, you know, I agree with you, government, for shutting him down because really I don't I don't believe that what he believes in the women preachers. Who cares? By the way, uh, who was it? That woman, Beth Moore, that he told to go home has now flip-flopped completely on homosexuality and also flip-flopped on biblical inerrancy. So maybe she should be quiet. If she doesn't believe that the Bible's inerrant word of God and if she doesn't believe homosexuality is a sin, maybe she should be quiet. And I believe in women preachers. My wife is one. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to stand here and say, well, I can't applaud him for what he said about women preachers. Let me read this to you. Let me read this to you. And I'll, I'll try not to take forever, but I, you do need to hear this, by the way. You do need to hear it. Um, and I don't believe it came from false motives. You know what I mean? And, and I know what I'm saying, Paul. But I mean, I, I believe, you know, that he's obviously a Christian and believes he's pleasing the Lord with his life and ministry. So let's let's read this. His his article is titled Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church written on Friday. And then they went and had church and said, we don't care. We're not going to limit who can come to church. We're not going to limit the attendance. We're, we're not doing any of that. And they preached to a packed church on Daniel chapter six and good for him. First header, a biblical case for the church's duty to remain open. Christ is Lord of all. He's the one true head of the church. He's also king of kings, sovereign over every earthly authority. Grace Community Church has always stood immovably on those biblical principles. As his people, we're subject to his will and commands as revealed in scripture. Therefore, we cannot and will not acquiesce to a government-imposed moratorium on our weekly congregational worship or other regular corporate gatherings. Compliance would be disobedience to our Lord's clear commands. Let me stop there and say, that's exactly right. And I've been saying that since the beginning of this, and people get on social media and say, well, brother, shutting down church and not gathering together, that's not really, you know, a violation of Hebrews 10.25 you know, if we just we just got to do it for a few weeks, it's not a, a. But the question is, okay, well, what about what about when it's three months? What about when you got nut jobs uh, that are shutting their churches down until sometime in 2021? At what point do you start to realize it is a hindrance of the gathering together of believers? That's what this is. You know, and he deals with Romans 13, Andrew. I'm, I'm going to get into this. He said, some will think such a firm statement is uh, inexorably in conflict with the command to be subject to the governing authorities laid out in Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. Scripture does mandate careful, conscientious obedience to all governing authority, including kings, governors, employers, and their agents. Uh, in Peter's words, not only to those that are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable. Insofar as government authorities do not attempt to assert ecclesiastical authority 
or issue orders that forbid our obedience to God's law. Exactly. Their authority is to be obeyed whether we agree with their rulings or not. In other words, Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 still bind the consciences of individual Christians. We are to obey our civil authorities as powers that God himself has ordained. However, and this is a big however, while civil government is invested with divine authority to rule the state, neither of those texts nor any other grants civic rulers jurisdiction over the church. Thank you. God has established these institutions within human society, the family, the state, and the church. Each institution has a sphere of authority. Uh, and basically, he says in this paragraph that the church themselves have no authority, or excuse me, the state, civic leaders, have no authority over the church, which is exactly right. When any of the three institutions exceeds the bounds of its jurisdiction, it is the duty of the other institutions to curtail that overreach. Therefore, when any government official issues orders regulating worship, such as bans on singing, caps on attendance, prohibitions against gatherings and services, he steps outside the legitimate bounds of his God-ordained authority as a civic official and, uh, and arrogates himself to authority that God expressly grants only to the Lord Jesus Christ as sovereign over his kingdom, which is the church. His rule is mediated to local churches through those pastors and elders who teach his word. And by the way, he has a scripture for all this uh, right in. I'm just not reading the references because you can read it yourself. Therefore, in response, listen to this, in response to the recent state order requiring churches in California to limit or suspend all meetings indefinitely, we, the pastors and elders of Grace Community Church, respectfully inform our civic leaders that they've exceeded their legitimate jurisdiction and faithfulness to Christ prohibits us from observing the restrictions they want to impose on our corporate worship services. I love this. <laughs> Said another way, it has never been the prerogative of civil government to order, modify, forbid, or mandate worship. When, how, and how often the church worships is not subject to Caesar. Caesar himself is subject to God. Catch that. What's up, VNA? Jesus affirmed that, that principle when he told Pilate, you would not have authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. And because Christ is head of the church, ecclesiastical matters pertain to his kingdom, not Caesar's. Jesus drew a stark distinction between those two kingdoms when he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render unto God the things that are God's. Our Lord himself always rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, but he never offered to Caesar what belongs solely to God. You see that? Very important. And so he goes on, and uh, let me read you this paragraph. In short, as the church, we do not need the state's permission to serve and worship our Lord as he has commanded. The church is Christ's precious bride. Regina, Regina said the video, is anybody else having issues with the video being erupt, interrupted? Anybody else having it? Because I'm not seeing it here. He said, the church belongs to Christ alone. She exists by his will and serves under his authority, 
will tolerate no assault on her purity and no infringement of his headship over her. All of that was established when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Christ's own authority is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God the Father has put off all things in subjection under Christ's feet. So, listen to this. Accordingly, the honor that we rightly owe our earthly governors and magistrates does not include compliance when such officials attempt to subvert sound doctrine, corrupt biblical morality, exercise ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical authority, or supplant Christ as head of the church in any other way. And I totally agree. I'm not seeing any choppiness. I don't know what's going on. I totally agree with Dr. J. Mack. Totally agree. What he's saying is is completely biblical. It's completely scriptural. And um, it blows my mind that there are Pentecostal believers, charismatic believers, that have not been willing to do what he's doing. I mean, if you look at what, what's going on in California... Um, it's, it's the worst of any state without question. But let me tell you, they're nuts if they think that they're going to be able to stop what the church is doing. Absolutely nuts. And so even though I never thought I would say this, I'm saying it. I am extremely, extremely proud to see a man like Dr. John MacArthur. I'll give you another, I'll give you another instance, by the way. If you didn't know, anytime, anytime a, a preacher goes on to a talk show, television show, whatever, they always hit them with the same question. Um, oh, so Kim Rourke Stevens is saying, how do we find Dr. MacArthur's um, article? Here's what you can do. His website is G, GTY, that stands for grace to you, gty.org. So if you just, you can go to gty.org and go to the blog and it's from July, July 24th, or you could just probably uh, Google search John MacArthur blog. And the name of the article is Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. And it dropped Friday, July 24th. So one of the things that, thank you, Justin. One of the things that happens, um, yes, I will pray for Melissa. That's uh, Melissa Lopez saying, please, please pray for, for Pastor uh, Will Gutierrez. He's in California, refuses to close his church. I, yeah, I agree. I agree, Andrew. I, uh, I'm for anybody that's standing up for the church. But notice this, and you can find this on YouTube as well. One of the things that happens every time they get a preacher onto some kind of a talk show or some kind of, a, you know, whatever it might be, morning show, late night show, they always ask him the same question. Whether it's The View, whether it was Larry King Live back when he was on, doesn't matter what it is, um, Piers Morgan when he was on, anybody, doesn't matter. Joel uh, Osteen, 
any any preacher, they always they always go to one question, and it blows my mind that people aren't ready for it. They asked it to Carl Lentz, they asked it to Joel Osteen, they asked it to T.D. Jakes, they ask everybody. So, in your opinion, uh, in your opinion, uh, will homosexuals go to heaven? You know, do you think homosexuality will really send you to hell? They ask every preacher that, every single preacher. How people aren't prepared at this point is beyond me. Because people hem and haw around the subject. Well, uh, I don't, I'm not the judge. of uh, God's the judge. I'm not. And so they, they, they sit around hem and haw around the, the issue. The other thing that really gave me a ton of respect for Dr. John MacArthur was when they had him on, and I'm trying to remember what, which one, what, which show it was that he was on, but you could YouTube it, I'm sure. They asked him the same exact question. Do you think, and here's the other thing, on top of that, on top of that, they had him sat next to, I think, either a homosexual or a homosexual couple. I can't remember which one. And um, that man stood flat-footed, or I should say sat flat-footed because he was sitting, next to that homosexual and gave the most biblical answer that any preacher I've ever seen has given on a secular talk show. <coughs> yeah, I'm sure, I know they did it to Lauren Daigle. I know what she said. Because nobody has the cajones to stand up against this world system. Blows my mind. They feel like, well, I'll lose, you know, I'll lose church members. I'll lose social media followers. I'll lose, if, I, if I speak out and say, you know, whatever about the homosexual community, I'll lose followers, I'll lose this, I'll gain loss. And they just won't say specifically what God says in his word. They won't even say it. Andrew said he thinks it was Larry King. But you can find it on, um, on YouTube because the clip is still available. And I stood up and clapped my hands for Dr. J. Mack when he was on that talk show. And they tried to intimidate him by putting him right next to a homosexual. He, he didn't falter a bit. The man has a backbone. The man has a backbone. And he sat there and gave a biblical answer. A biblical answer about homosexuality, the fact that it's a sin. I mean, sat there and, and said it and explained, not only that, gave a gospel presentation to um, the man that was sitting next to him. You know, we want, I don't want you to go to hell. Don't want to see you in hell. I want to see you in heaven. But was able to say it all and speak the truth in love, which I know is not always his <laughs> modus operandi. Upper end, I, but he did on this occasion, and it was it was masterful. It was absolutely masterful, and it blows my mind. And the reason I'm taking a broadcast to talk about this is because here's a man, and if this man who is not baptized in the Holy Ghost, if this man who doesn't believe in miracles, signs, and wonders as we do, doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, does not believe in the subsequent experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, can stand up 
and speak the truth boldly. Boldly. What's the excuse, as Melissa Lopez said, what is the excuse of Pentecostal preachers, of charismatic preachers that believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, that believe in signs, wonders, and miracles, that believe in uh, you know the fire of the Holy Ghost? What is the excuse of those who say they're filled with power from on high? Why are they closed? Why are they closed? Why are they afraid? When you've got Dr. J. Mack, who's over here dropping bombs. By the way, I would encourage you to go and watch uh, the message if you can find it. He preached from Daniel chapter 6 masterfully. And I totally agree with him. You realize, don't you, that the whole Old Testament and New Testament is filled with people that because of their uh, dedication to follow the Lord, disobeyed their government. I mean, that's, that's the story of the Bible. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Would not bow to the king's statue and said, no, we worship the Lord only. It made the king angry. And there was punishment on the other side of it. What, what is that? Persecution for serving the Lord. And he tossed him into the fiery furnace, which didn't kill him. Look at Daniel. You can't pray to anybody but the king. Can't pray to anybody but the king. What did he do? Did he lay down and say, well, you know, in this time, you know, we're switching over to just uh, praying to the praying to the king for just a short period of time because, you know, that is the mandate from the government. No, he went right back to where he always was. By the way, he did not hide in some little prayer closet uh, somewhere uh, to do his praying. He threw the windows open. He went back to where he always was every other day and began to pray to the Lord his God until he was arrested until he was thrown into the lion's den. Bottom line, he didn't hide. He didn't go do it in secret. He stood in public, did it right out in the open. You go to the New Testament, and one of the verses of Scripture that Dr. John MacArthur references is, uh, which, one, which is one. By the way, I was saying this stuff three months ago, and uh, it's interesting because he's making the exact same points that I made even on broadcast because when people were shooting me messages and comments on my Facebooks. Well, what about Romans 13? What about 1 Peter 2? And I'd ask them, oh, that's the scripture you want to reference right now? Let me ask you a question. What about Acts 5.29, where the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men? Because that's more in context of what's going on right now, not Romans 13. When the government is trying to tell Christians how, when, and where they can worship the Lord their God, telling them they can't do it, you know, it's not, let me explain something to you for everybody that's, that's listening or listening to the replay. If you think that gathering together in a building is some external luxury that we get as Christians, what's up, Danielle? You don't understand the word. You know, that's not some extra luxury granted to us by the government. That is something that the Bible commands. 
that we are always to gather. It was always the practice of the church to gather, always, always. And they always gathered on the Lord's Day. And by the way, the Lord's Day, for everybody that has an issue with this, was not the Sabbath. Just to let you know, we're not under the law. We don't meet on the Sabbath day. Saturday is the Sabbath day. None of the church met on Saturday. They met on what was called the Lord's Day. And that was the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. So for all these nut jobs, they're like, you guys worship on Sunday, and it's a worship of the sun. It actually stems from a pagan experience. No, it doesn't. They always met on the Lord's Day. The reason it was called the Lord's Day is because it was the day that the Lord was raised from the dead. That's why we meet on Sunday and not on the Sabbath day. They've done it since the first century. And so understand, it is not a government luxury afforded to us to be able to gather. It is a command in scripture. Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. Gather all the more. So notice that, that's a command. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't stop doing it. And so, that's a command of Scripture. The government has no right to overrule the commands of Scripture. And by the way, it doesn't matter what command of Scripture that they try to overrule. I mean, imagine, imagine if the government tried to overrule another command of Scripture, like one of the Ten Commandments. And they say, now, we're commanding... Now, this is an extreme example, and you'll all laugh because it seems insane... But it's the same because all of God's commands are the same. So imagine if the government said, we're commanding every small business owner, every Christian church attendee, that on this upcoming day, all of you have to swap wives and husbands with somebody and commit adultery. Imagine if that was a government command. You're not allowed to sleep with your own wife or husband. You have to find someone else's wife or husband to sleep with. We're commanding you. There's a mandate that's from the state that you must commit adultery on this upcoming Sunday. Well, everybody be like, yeah, right. Give me a break. Give me a break. But let me tell you something. The command to not commit adultery is just as powerful as the command to go and assemble together as believers. Do you think... Any of God's commands carry less weight than another command? What if the government said, we're commanding everybody in every state, you have to murder at least one person this upcoming week. You have to murder at least one person. Well, it goes against our scriptural teaching from the Lord. We don't murder. <clears throat> and so I don't care if the government tells me to or not. It's not happening. It's not happening. But do you think that that command, thou shalt not murder, carries any more weight than <clears throat> the command to continue to gather together? It's a command. It's a command. God bless you, Sherry. Thanks for being on. <clears throat> so, exactly. Andrew said, what if there's another virus two years from now? You're going to shut down your church again for more months? Of the exactly. It's like, where do you draw the line 
and stop trying to give the government all this control over something they have no control over. I would have actually thought that churches all over America would have banded together in some sort of a uh, <clears throat> movement of some sort to say the government's not shutting us down. And they did not. They laid down in record numbers. Laid down in record numbers. Now, there was those that stayed open, but they laid down in record numbers. And it doesn't have anything. It has everything to do with the election that's coming up, has everything to do with the fact that evangelical Christians turned out to vote uh, last election more than any other time in history, any other election in history. They turned out in record numbers and I believe swung this nation in another direction. I mean, you go look at it for yourself. They turned out in record numbers. And so you think about it. And I've said this before. If they can't get us to be quiet, if they can't get us to shut the churches down, if they can't get us to uh, disassemble, if they can't get us to do all that, what's the next step? Now they try to get us to start fighting amongst ourselves. That's why now we're into the race riots and race wars. Because they know, you know, and, and I know it's not all about that, but in one sense it is because it's, it's promoted from an antichrist spirit and an antichrist agenda. So they know that the average church is multicultural. They know that if they can get everybody into a race war, that they'll even have black Christians feuding with white Christians, Puerto Rican Christians, Latinos, whatever. And if they can't shut us down, and if they can't silence us, and if they can't stop us, then they'll try to get us to stop ourselves. They'll try to get us to fight amongst ourselves. You see what I mean? It's all an agenda to stop what God said he would do. And without question, we are seeing. Now, I, I prophesied in November of last year <coughs> when I was at my uncle's church in, in West Virginia that in 2020, there would be a shaking that things that people thought God was in that he was never in would be torn down in 2020 and that things that people didn't even know God was in, God would raise up out of obscurity in 2020. That's already happening. That's already happening. <clears throat> and so it's important to understand this. Yeah. Now think about that. Britt said, the Pentecostal denomination I used to be a part of said, uh, from the very top of their churches uh, needed to close, they were threatening to take away their credentials if they didn't. Exactly. You got insane stuff going on. Insane stuff going on. And you, if you think all this stuff is not based upon what's getting ready to happen... Let me tell you something. You're asleep to what's going on. Love you, Jeremiah. You're asleep to what's going on. Because it has nothing. Let me give you proof that we know that it has nothing to do with the health of America. Okay? Think about this logically. Number one, if masks really did help, there would be a government-mandated mask that you had to wear that works. Right? So think about it. There'd be some kind of a design mask that the government would issue that we had to wear. Not take a McDonald's napkin and, and tie it around your face with a USB cable you found in your car. That should show you right there that masks... I saw somebody post yesterday, which I thought was so smart. They said, either masks work or they don't. If they don't work, then don't make us wear them. But if they do work, open businesses and schools back up. You can't have both narratives. 
if masks prevent the virus from spreading, then open everything back up because there's no danger of it spreading. But if they don't work, stop making us wear them. You can't have both narratives. Um, but just what? 11 years ago, 2009, we had the H1N1 virus spread through America. Do you realize we're over 60 million deaths short of matching what happened in 2009? 60 plus million deaths short for Corona. So here's, here's a question. How many people wore masks in 2009? How many times did we quarantine? For how many weeks were we locked down in 2009? The answer to that is zero. The answer to the mask question is none. We did not wear masks in 2009. We did not get quarantined or locked down in 2009 when H1N1 was killing millions, tens of millions more. 60 plus million at this point more were killed from H1N1. Exactly, Angel. The difference now is there's a political agenda. Exactly right. And so it has nothing to do with the health of America. It has nothing to do with the health of Americans. It has nothing to do with safety. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with control. That's it. I'm with you, Melissa. She said, tell me there's no agenda. I Exactly, it wasn't an election year. It wasn't an election year. So don't tell me this is for my safety and don't tell me that this is for the safety of others. That's a bunch of, you know, let me tell you something. Dr. Fauci himself threw the first pitch at the Washington Nationals New York Yankees baseball game with a mask on. One of the worst throws I've ever seen in the history of throwing. And then went and sat in the stands right next to two people, shoulder to shoulder, and took his mask off. What does that show you? What does that show you? He sat there in the stands next to two other people, shoulder to shoulder, and took his own mask off. So he doesn't even believe in it. He doesn't even believe in it. It's ridiculous. And so I applaud Dr. John MacArthur. Though I don't agree with his theology on everything... Though, you know, he's, he's not a, he, he even uh, antagonizes Pentecostals and Charismatics. I applaud his boldness to stand up for the church in the state of California and not shut down. And, and write that, you need to go read that article in its fullness when you get uh, a chance on gty.org. Look at the blog, July 24th. Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. Extremely well written. I applaud him. The man is a beast. And he is intelligent. I mean, you know, he's no dummy. He's no dummy. And so you understand this is all false. And I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm not saying they didn't release a real a virus. But at this point, when you look at the numbers that 99.7% of the people uh, will never get it. And of those that do, 99 plus percent 
have no symptoms. You know, they've got people that are testing. Like, I didn't even know I had anything. I've got no symptoms. The recovery rate is insane. So, yeah, exactly. Melissa said that he lied and said he was drinking water. Then he said, had it off longer than just taking a sip of water. Of course, it's all a lie. I agree, Danielle. Amazing article, wonderfully written. And so I said it on the broadcast. Never thought I'd say this. Never thought I would. But John MacArthur is a beast. And I respect him for what he did. Not just for that, but like I told you, if you can find that art. I wish somebody would find that on YouTube where he sat with the, they questioned him on homosexuality and sat him next to a homosexual and he gave one of the best answers I've ever seen given. And so I respect the man. I respect the man. Don't agree with everything he stands for. Don't agree with everything he says doctrinally. But I have to say that I respect him. And um, I'm I'm thankful that he's doing what he's doing. So so much so. That uh, I signed my name to that article. And I'm not ashamed of it. Very, very proud. Well, Tracy, you're missing the whole point then. Missing the whole point. Because you can agree, you can be, you can respect something that somebody's done for the body of Christ while not agreeing with their doctrine. And that's a very shallow place to be. It's a very immature place to be. You can respect what somebody has done for the body of Christ without agreeing with everything they teach. And that's what I covered in the first part of this broadcast. And that's why I titled it the way I did. I never thought I would say this. But I respect ex- the, what he's done for the body of Christ. Because here's the thing, Tracy. Here's the thing you have to ask yourself. For all of the, the true teachers that are teaching Holy Ghost, that are teaching, um, you know, baptism of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders, why are all their churches shut down? Here's a question for you, Tracy. In your own state of Georgia, why is Jensen Franklin's church still shut down? Why was it that when the government said churches could open in uh, Georgia, a man who is Pentecostal, who I love and respect, his church is still shut down? Explain that to me. Where here's a Holy Ghost-filled dude that teaches proper doctrine, that teaches signs, wonders, and miracles, that teaches speaking in tongues, fasting and prayer, that teaches all the things we believe. But why is his church still shut down? And he's not even being told by the government he has to stay closed. He could open. And then you got tweets going out from his account about how much of a tragedy it is of what's going on with the church and the, the ruling about Nevada and, and all the stuff going on in California. See, that's the problem, is that we sit around and we, we have our little pet doctrines that we love, and of course, I love them. That's why I put it in the way that I did. But explain to me why you've got Pentecostals that are shut down, and you've got Christians that aren't even filled with the Holy Ghost, that are opening up and standing in boldness for the church of Jesus Christ. So that's what's ridiculous. That's what's ridiculous. And so I already started by saying, I don't agree with his teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't agree with what he said about 
Pentecostals and Charismatics don't agree with the Strange Fire Conference, don't agree with any of that stuff. But he's absolutely right in what he wrote in that article. He's absolutely right to stay open. He's absolutely right to defy the government-mandated order. He's absolutely right. And I take my hat off to him because there are many Pentecostals that have not had the guts to do the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so where where's the, you know, what good, here's the question. What good is it to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have all your boldness and power and miracle signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit if you don't use it? What good does it matter? What, what good does it do? What does it matter if you don't use it? It's just the same, by the way, as not having it and not believing in it. Let me ask you a question. What good does it do to have the power and the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover if you don't lay hands on the sick? Do you get the point? Do you get the point? What good does it do to have the power to cast out devils if you don't cast out devils. I agree with Pastor Terry Dross. There's another man. There's a man that has that Holy Ghost fire <clears throat> that never shut down God's house. Right there, Pastor Terry Dross, Peckville Assembly of God, Blakely, Pennsylvania, a man of Holy Ghost power. I'm talking about Dr. John MacArthur Joyce. Totally agree with everything he said in that article. <clears throat> totally agree with what he did to defy the mandates from the state. Totally agree. So what good does it do? What good does it do? You know, and if Tracy, if you're still on, that's the question. Who gives a crap what you believe about theology if you don't do any of it? Well, we believe in laying our hands on the sick, but you don't lay hands on anybody that's sick. So what do you care? So it's like the same with, with all these Pentecostal denominations that have churches that on paper they're Pentecostal, but they don't actually practice any pe Pentecostal distinctives. So what does it matter if you're Assemblies of God or Church of God or whatever you are and say you're Pentecostal and never speak in tongues, never lay hands on the sick, never cast out devils, never, never preach the word, you know, full, the full gospel. You know, what does it matter if you have it on paper? You know, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit if God wants to, but you never have any of the gifts of the Spirit at work. So what does it matter? Might as well be Baptist. You might as well be Reformed because you don't ever have it going on in your churches. And that's why I love men like Pastor Terry Drost because he doesn't just say he's Pentecostal. He is Pentecostal. He doesn't just... Act like, well, you know, we're part of a Pentecostal denomination, but we don't really do a whole lot of that in our church. No, they do it in their church. They have revivals in their church. They have miracles in their church. They have signs and wonders. They stand for that stuff, and they have it, and they see it. But if you don't, well, we go to, an, we go to a, a Pentecostal church, but we don't really see any of that happen, and nobody prays in tongues. Nobody has hands laid on them. Nobody, you know, it's like, well, what's the point then? Pentecostal is not a denomination, Tracy. It's an experience. And your argument makes no sense whatsoever. And there's times you should listen rather than comment. 
because you're on the wrong end of the stick, whether you know it or not. So like, you know, for no, the labels don't need to stop because it matters, Tracy. This is what people don't understand. It matters. That's so dumb. Like, it's not, it does matter what you are because Christ is the one who set the label. Man didn't set it. Christ said it, Tracy. He's the one that sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And the book of Acts tells us every early Christian was filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues, and believed in signs, wonders, and miracles. So it is important. It does matter. It does matter. But the point of this whole broadcast is that although I am Pentecostal, charismatic, believes in the gifts of the Spirit, all those things, and he's not, I still have to applaud him because there are many Pentecostals who will not do what he's doing. That's the whole point. So the, the question is, what does it matter if you're Pentecostal? What does it matter? It doesn't matter. Does not matter if you don't actually do it. Doesn't matter if you don't actually do it. And that's what's happening in many of our churches all over the United States. You got Assemblies of God, you got Church of God, Church of God in Christ, you've got all these Pentecostal denominations that do not practice what the Bible teaches should be happening. Doesn't at all. So the the here's the thing. Here's the actual uh comes down to this. <clears throat> If you're going to be Pentecostal, be Pentecostal in practice, not in theory, in practice. Lay hands on the sick, speak in tongues, get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, and, and Brooke's right. Brooke Rippey said the presence of God's missing in the uh, many of the churches today. Absolutely true. I'm with her on that because we've got people like the Bible, the word of God prophesied would happen. They'd have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, thereof. A form of godliness, but they deny the power. That's exactly what an empty uh, belief system of a Pentecostal church is. Well, we believe it on paper, but... Oh yeah, when was the last time you laid hands on the sick in your church? When, when was the last time somebody got baptized in the Holy Ghost in your church? When was the last time you actually saw the manifestations of the Holy Ghost in your church? Because if you don't go after it, if you don't have it happening, you might as well not even believe it. Just change that. Change your church to be a Reformed church or be, you know, be some kind of a Calvinist, be some kind of a Reformed Baptist or Presbyterian that doesn't even believe in those things. Might as well because you don't have them. Tracy, the definition of Pentecostal is being baptized in the Holy Spirit as they were on the day of Pentecost, believing in signs, wonders, and miracles, the charismatic gifts of the church. That's what being Pentecostal is. <laughs> Somebody that has Pentecostal, has had the Pentecostal experience, which is what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. 
Spirit gave them utterance. Then they saw signs, wonders, and miracles. They laid their hands on the sick. They shall recover. You know, everything Jesus said in the Great Commission that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. That's what Pentecostal means. That's what it is. It's nothing to do with whether you're assemblies of God or church of God or church of God in Christ or whatever. It has to do with have you had the Pentecostal experience? Are you seeing those things in action? That's what being Pentecostal means. And so it's very important that we understand. But at the same time, when we see, <clears throat> and, and it's a weird day we're standing in, when we see Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians standing up for Scripture, standing up for the rights of the church, and Pentecostals who say they have the boldness because they're filled, not doing it, it's a weird day. And so let me, I'm saying this to encourage those of you that are on. It's important, very important, to stand for what the Bible says and not lay down. To not lay down. I thank God for preachers, men of God. My uncles have done it. Other pastors I know, I mentioned Pastor Terry Drost and others. that are, Their churches are open, they're not closed. And they were open when they were told to be closed. And I thank God for them because we cannot lay down to the spirit of this age, spirit of the world, you have to stand for the, not, not just the gospel, but for the word of God as a whole. And let me tell you, gathering together, you know, it's like some dude said to me, and I'll, I'll pray for you after this, because <laughs> some guy says to me, well, let me tell you, you're all upset about people doing, you know, having to stay home and do church. That's how they always did it in the early church. Uh, did they? Quick question for you, mathematician. Whose church do you think they, uh, whose house do you think they all met in after 3,000 were saved? Whose house do you think they had church in? After 3,000 were added to the church, then 5,000 were out of the church. And then the Bible says uh, crowds of men and women were added to the church. I mean, even when Jesus was alive, before there were Christians, they'd come to see him and people would come to get a miracle and they couldn't even get in. The house, whatever house they'd be in, jam-packed with people outside the house trying to press into the house. And in one, in one situation, had to, uh, the, the friends of a paralyzed man had to carry him up on the roof and tear the roof off to lower him down in front of Jesus. That was before the church. That was before Christianity. So let me ask you a question. Whose house do you think they were meeting in when 3,000 were added and then 5,000 were added and then crowds were added and then more and more? There's a reason that we can't fit some people or, or some churches, I should say, into a house. It's because, listen to this, if you're actually doing and, and following the Great Commission, you won't have houses big enough to get your church into. Let me say something. <clears throat> ah, Josh is funny. Maybe Reformed Pentecostals could start a new club. We like the Holy Ghost, but we kind of embarrassed us last time. <laughs> yeah. But I want, I want to ask you a question. Because this is very important. I look like Pastor Terry Dross is on today. Whose house do you think that church could meet in for service? Under that pastor. It's too big. It's too big. 
It's too big. The church I attend, Abundant Life Church, Bishop Rick Thomas, you know, whose house do you think we're going to meet in? The church seats 1,600. So whose house do you think? See, then, then here's the problem, by the way. People want to split it all up into houses. But then the question is, you don't have enough people in those situations that are actually called into ministry. So what do you have? You have people that call themselves something they're not. Well, I'm a pastor. Well, I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophetess. And you're not. And then you end up having people that aren't qualified because they called themselves. God didn't call them. Rather than having the man of God who had the faith to stand up and believe God lead the church. What do you think it was wrong when Jesus went out into the wilderness and had 5,000 people come out and that was just the men, not counting the women and the children? Should somebody have shown up and rebuked them and said, you guys should all be meeting in houses and, and break this, uh, you, should, you should break this big uh, meeting up and, and get into houses and then let somebody lead it. You know, it's, it's a stupid idea. It's a stupid idea. You got too many people out here in the wilderness with you, Jesus. They should all be going to separate houses where other people should be teaching them. It's a stupid idea. They came to hear Jesus because he was the anointed one. When God raises up people, God puts his anointing in them. And listen, the fivefold ministry gifts are not something you can choose to be. They're something God calls you to be. He's the one that set apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers into the church for the perfecting of the saints. If you're not one of those five, then you're not called to do that same work. Perfect the saints. So people that have had these dumb thoughts, makes me actually laugh because, you know, when, it, when, when there were pastors that were saying like, the church isn't important, you know, we're the church. Now that they're all back in their buildings, they're like, gatherings are important. <laughs> It's all changed now. And uh, it just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. When they were all shutting down, we're the church. The building's not the church now that they can go back to church. We need to be in buildings. We need to gather. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, we're living in a day that's insane. We're Pentecostals are bowing down and people that say they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost are standing up. But I pray more people that have the Holy Ghost catch the boldness of Dr. J. Mack and are willing to stand up. Open your churches. I, call, I, I, would pray, I would pray that guys like Brother Jensen Franklin, Pastor Jensen Franklin, open their church. You know? Open your church. Have church. You know? Blows my mind. It's like, have church, man. And I want to pray for those of you that are watching because I love you. I, I know God's using you. You know, you wouldn't be on this broadcast if you if you weren't hungry. You know, you wouldn't stick. We hit about 200 people at one time during the broadcast today. You wouldn't be on here. I know some people fade in, fade out. They're checking in, checking out. But you wouldn't be on here if you weren't hungry for God to do something great in your life and to use you before He Jesus comes back. And I believe it as well. I believe God's going to use you in a mighty way. I wouldn't take the time to uh, 
to mess around and do these broadcasts unless I believed in you. And I do believe in you. I do believe God's going to use you. I do believe God's going to use you. And so I want to pray that that same holy boldness comes upon every one of us. That's myself included. I want to see a fresh and a new boldness come upon me, come upon you, your family, that we would stand up and see God move in our own lives like we never have. And that what we've been declaring, that the last five months of this year will be the greatest we've ever seen. Violent increase, expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Abraham, I'm going to pray for you. But I want you to join your faith with me now. And let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman watching this broadcast live or the replay, listening on the podcast. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would fill every one of us as the apostle Paul prayed and asked the church to pray in the book of Ephesians, that boldness would be granted unto us to do and to say what you've called us to do and say without any shame and without any fear of what anybody may think or do to us. Lord, let us be willing to stand up and even give our own lives for the cause of Christ, the cause of the gospel. I pray in Jesus' name that you would put a fresh infilling of your spirit into us. I pray, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give us a fresh, as they did in Acts chapter 4. Let us have a fresh experience in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. Set us on fire once again. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We give you honor, glory, and praise for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. And everybody, if you believe that prayer, throw some fire into the comments section. And give God glory and praise for what he's about to do in you and what he's doing in me. And let me say this to you. I want you to pray. And if you're anywhere close, if you're anywhere close to the southern part of New York, Corning, Elmira, Horseheads, New York, let me encourage you to come and be a part of the Uproar Conference. It starts tonight. It's through Saturday night. All the information can be found on theuproar.org. Theuproar.org. It's going to be powerful. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. It's going to be, and we're back in the church this year, which I'm so excited about, His Tabernacle Church. And I'll be here Sunday morning preaching as well. Uh, I want to see you. If you can get here, you got to get here. Bring your young people. This is going to be off the chart, man. I'm so excited. All the details at theuproar.org. Check it out. Get the address, get the times, and be here with us, man. It's going to be phenomenal. Let me encourage you guys before we go today to sow a seed. I'm believing for the greatest final five months of a year that we've ever seen. And so I want to encourage you. Those of you who are watching, if the Lord's speaking to you to sow a seed, a one-time seed, do that. If he's encouraging you to partner with us as we've been praying for, it's very easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com and you can click on the uh, give page or the partner page. And now it's set up so you can um, set up an account and you can adjust what seed you're sowing, the frequency, all of that. It's very easy to do. Um, and do that and stand with us on a monthly basis 
and uh, we say we love you. There's multiple ways you can sow a seed. You can go to miracleword.com. You can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. Um, you can use hashtag donate in the comments on Facebook. And uh, I say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with us. This month, if you'd like to uh, sow a seed and partner with us, $85 or more, we're going to be sending a book by Dr. John Evanzini called Rich God, Poor God. Uh, understanding your uh, position for blessing and prosperity because Jesus was blessed. He was not poor. He was not homeless. And Dr. John goes through the word of God and shows us from scripture that Jesus was blessed and not cursed. If you'd like to receive that, go to miracleword.com and forward slash offer. Let us know you sowed the seed. Let us have your address so we can send it to you. And uh, I appreciate it. I know Norman. I know the borders are still closed to Canada. We'd love to see if you could make it. Um, yeah, Cora, please send an email to Jenna at miracleword.com. She'll help you out and uh, and get everything rolled again. Get your account set up as well. Love you, John, Karen, Regina, Winona, Barbara. God bless you, Darla. I believe it will be live, Kim. I believe it will be live. But check out all. Thank you, Brother Herb. Check out all the details at um, theuproar.org. Starts tonight, man. It's going to be powerful. I can't wait to see what God's going to do, man. It's going to be great. Thanks for hanging with me. Britt, I ate a strawberry cake pop last night. Blew my mind. It was so good. It was so moist. It was so delicious that I'm just telling you, it was next level. It was absolutely next level. You're getting better and better every batch you make. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thanks for hanging with me, guys. I love you so much. Go check that article out by Dr. J. Mack. Read it for yourself. Watch that video on YouTube. It'll bless you. I love you guys. Yeah, keep shipping, Britt. Keep shipping. I'm telling you, make shipping available to everybody on the broadcast. Get shipping out there. Put a place where people can put online orders in. I'm telling you, you got to do it. Those cake pops are too good to to uh, to keep back from other people. I love you guys very, very much. Appreciate you. I'll see you again. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to be on with you tomorrow. I may be. I may not. I, I got to look at the itinerary for what's going on with uproar. But one way, or, one way or another, we'll be on. I love you. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.